0: Hello everybody, my name is Brittany Chalk and you're listening to A Dancer's Guide. On this episode of A Dancer's Guide, we'll be exploring the world of professional cheerleading. My guest today has quite the impressive resume consisting of Beyonce's Super Bowl halftime show, Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines, and international shows with Spirit Productions, just to name a few. She was an NBA cheerleader for four seasons. I am so excited to welcome the dynamic powerhouse rachel monteleon hi rachel thank you so much for joining me today and discussing such a sought after performance path
1: hi thank you so much for having me i'm excited
0: good well we're happy to have you here so why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself
1: um well i'm from new orleans originally and i've been living in new york kind of on and off for a few years but back officially for about one year now um Dancing, auditioning, um, teaching at Flywheel, so that's fun. To so indoor cycling, um, which keeps me in shape. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit about me.
0: Well, I guess before we start talking about your professional cheerleading, um, can you take me through your unique dance journey?
1: So I started out at the age of three. Um, in ballet with a little bit of tap like once a week I think and then kind of through high school thought I wanted to be a ballerina and then my body changed and then my mind changed (laughs) Um, and then I transitioned to a little bit more of wanting to be in the contemporary scene and thought that I wanted to do you know Hubbard Street or anything like that and um, when I got to Oklahoma City University is kind of when I got really into jazz and musical theater and it's just kind of been like a Gradual transition of different styles, which is I feel like now has kind of helped me become more well-rounded and then when I transferred to LSU is when I kind of started getting into hip-hop more and street jazz and things like that and uh, kind of was a world that I didn't know that much about. And so it was a little overwhelming at first, but it was, I loved it so much more than anything else I'd been in. And so that's kind of when I decided I wanted to keep pursuing that style and really get better at it and hone in on it.
0: Amazing. That's incredible. I guess to kind of go along with your experience with the whole hip hop scene um, and wanting to gain more knowledge in that area, is that sort of one of the reasons you? gravitated towards being a professional cheerleader?
1: Yeah, so it kind of started with the coach of the LSU Tiger Girls had a studio in Baton Rouge, and so that's where I started going to take classes that weren't um, just ballet or anything else. I and mean, she had that as well, but it was where I could find that style kind of at its... I feel like the best you could find in the area was from her, and so that's kind of what piqued my interest, and so I actually I'd auditioned for... The tiger girls and didn't make it and was super upset about it and then saw that the hornets were holding auditions and I was like well let me go and try and get paid for this instead and so that happened
0: (laughs) yep that makes total sense might as well get paid for something you love doing exactly well Can you tell me a little bit about uh, all the rest of your amazing credits that you've done? You've sent me your resume, so, and I know you personally. um, So I know you've done a lot. We worked at Bush Gardens together and uh, you worked on Royal Caribbean, right? And I know that you've worked in Japan as well, and um, I'm excited to hear.
1: Yeah, I mean, outside of, of the NBA, Um yeah, Tokyo is probably one of the coolest experiences I've had more recently. With the last two Christmases, I did a Christmas show out there. And we were there for about two weeks. And we'd have about two shows a day, sometimes one show a day. Um so we had enough time to really explore and see a lot around the city. I mean, we didn't get to go very far, but I mean we fell in love with it to the point that we were like, I want to move here, I wanna live here, this is amazing. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the coolest like travel opportunity I've had through dance other than like the ship was amazing um doing Royal Caribbean we did Eastern and Western Caribbean um three shows on that ship one is now gone it was a super outdated magic show (laughs) but it was it was fun but it was definitely time it was time (laughs) um and then what else? Bush. I mean, yeah, Bush Gardens was. These are kind of scattered and out of order, but whatever. Uh, was I mean, you know, we have family now. All all of our friends kind of are from there now, and it was just four months or two months with some of them of our lives that somehow sparked this magical New York family that has evolved into so much more. Um, which is the coolest thing about all of these dance opportunities is like the family you get out of it.
0: Yes, well said. You know, hearing about everything that you've done and accomplished, I think to those listening, some of the things that you've done might be others' ultimate dreams. And I'm curious to see if you feel as though you've had a successful career.
1: I definitely do. Like, I feel successful up until this point. You know, I but I'm always like wanting more and reaching for more. yeah. I'm really proud of the accomplishments But like sometimes I, I took the NBA for granted because it was like, it was New Orleans. So I don't know, for whatever reason, it didn't seem like as big of a deal. And then like, when you talk to other people, they're like, Oh, wow. Like I always wanted to do that. And, or other girls that would audition year after year and never make it and like really, really want it. And not that I didn't want it, but it was just like, I don't even know if it's to say lucky enough, fortunate enough or whatever for it to kind of fall into my life. And fit me well. And yeah, it's definitely I definitely am really like appreciative of everything I've had up until this point. And um I'm not really sure what's next or like where I want to go next, which is kind of a weird thing. But I'm just kind of feeling it out right now. Like just being back in the city consistently and trying to be in class and just see where it all takes me.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I-, I agree with you. I think we can all be our own worst critics sometimes and it is important to you know, strive for more, but equally be able to reflect on everything we've achieved. And you're right, be proud of ourselves. So putting all that aside, I wanna dive into your cheerleading experience a bit more now. Can you start by telling me about the audition
1: processes? It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> auditions are a lot. And you hear I mean it's different for every team, obviously, but I feel like overall, from what I've heard from other friends who have gone off to audition for other teams, it's it's kind of similar pretty much like almost all of them start out with some form of prep classes that they'll host leading up, which is, I feel like it's imperative. I mean, it's not to say you couldn't make it without the prep class, but they'll teach you. Usually the ones that host prep classes like this will teach you um, the audition choreography. So you'll learn like the first chunk of the jazz that you would learn at the audition. So like you can go home, you can practice it as much as you want so that when they start to teach it at auditions, you don't have to focus on what's next and you can focus on details and you can really pay attention. Um, and there's usually no limit on like how many of those prep classes you can go to. So like if you wanted to pay for two or three of them, like you could go to the mall. Um, and then once you get to the day one audition day, they, I'm not sure if it's different now, but how it was for us was we started out with a jazz and then they would make a cut and they would teach you, if I'm remembering correctly, they would teach you a hip-hop and they would, like, tag it on to the jazz that you had just learned. So it was, like, one big, long routine. Um, and then they would make another cut. I think that was it, if I'm remembering right. It's been a minute. Um, but then from there, like, that day, they would have this kind of rotation of things that we would have to do. Like, we had to take pictures, um, we had to do a drug test, like different things and it was just you had to do this whole rotation thing so you would be there all day from like early morning till late in the afternoon um and then once you made it through the first day of audition they would have kind of a boot camp week which most seem to have that where it's like a few days and they'll teach you full routines a full jazz a full hip-hop and they'll usually kind of incorporate like oh but like you and your group can like come up with the first four eight counts of intro and it kind of also lets them see how you work with a team. And then um, yeah, they do like a photo shoot. They do a boot camp to like to see how, you know, how in shape you really are. And also even if you're not how willing you are to like push yourself and um, then like same with a video shoot and photo shoot to see how you work in front of the camera, things like that. So it's a really good way for them to get a full, taste of how you would fit into the team and then they have a final where you have to come kind of like full like full hair and makeup full like audition outfit again people some wear like their first audition outfit again some people would like come with a jazz outfit and a hip-hop outfit and whatever and they also would do solos so you had to like come up and present a solo in like your style of choice um so they could get a little bit of more of a taste of who you are as a dancer that maybe is outside of the dance team style it's a lot it's a lot a lot but yeah
0: that sounds like a lot everything in one day I didn't realize you would go from doing the dances to straight into a photo shoot and you really just have to be on point all day wow honestly I have no experience as a cheerleader whatsoever professional or anything um so everything that you're saying I'm I'm learning for the first time so yeah thank you for that how many people actually make the squad
1: Um, anywhere from, it was 18 to like 24 is kind of the range. Um, 18 is a little small. It just makes things hard come like full season. It doesn't give much people any opportunity to have a day off when they're 40 plus home games. But yeah, I'd say they usually average like 20 to 24.
0: Yeah. And do they have like substitutes? Like what if someone gets injured or... Is there a backup?
1: Um, No, and that's why like kind of going a little bit bigger is is usually sort of in their benefit of like for games you'd have, you know, however many girls that were on the court as well as promo girls that are walking around the arena doing like taking pictures with fans and stuff like that. Um, and then you usually have a couple girls that are off. And so those girls that are off are kind of also you're like in a sense swing where like if you really need someone and someone's really sick, like you got to hope that they're not out of town or something.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Well, you also said about having your home games. Did you just perform at home or did you travel with the team to away games?
1: So overall, we only performed at home, but um, every once in a while they had opportunities like for the Hornets. My second year, we got to go for like a preseason game that was in Mexico City and it was the Hornets versus Magic and so it like takes both the teams outside of like their hometown and like puts them in another location to kind of like promote the games like worldwide. And so then they will pull, like, I think we were technically the like hosting team. So we um, were the dancers that went, had like the magic been the hosting team then their, their dancers would have gone. Um, and then same with there just other travel opportunities that take you all over, um, we, like we got to go to Shanghai and Beijing, um, which was really cool. It was about, I don't know, maybe about a week and a half. When they split half and half, we went to both cities. And we were there to promote the World Games. So yeah, they brought like eight of us to go and perform at these different NBA events. So it's not games necessarily, but it's still just like promoting the NBA in general.
0: Yeah, that sounds like amazing opportunities that they were able to provide you and experiences. How many dances were you expected to I guess retain and learn for these live performances like what was your repertoire like
1: I wish I knew the exact number because now I'm kind of curious but um like I kind of tried to like really think about it and I was like it's got to be at least 20 plus that we learned because we would repeat dances um no more than like two or three times if you have 40 games so like somewhere in there like some of them would be like holiday dances that you'd only do once like Halloween or Christmas or something like that or like um but at the very beginning of the season it was kind of overload because we had to learn what's also called a hot timeout. so when the game's like super exciting and like we go hot then you um would have to go out onto the court and perform these dances and it was like i think four or five of them that we had to memorize but they repeated it was like so many eight counts that would just repeat over and over again and then you would freestyle so it wasn't like a full full routine but you had to like memorize formations as well, and know like where you would go in that formation if they called that certain formation out for you to go out to the court. And then um, you would also learn a big chunk of dances that they would bring. They have conventions, like uh, there's one called Pro Action, that happens in Vegas that's open to any dance team, professional, and I think college as well, um, where they can go and they'll send like their dance captains or like a few girls on the team to learn a huge chunk of choreography and then they bring it back to their team and teach it to them. And especially in NBA, like it's not like we're competing against other dance teams. So it doesn't matter if you're doing the same routine and like you might put it into different formations. Like you might do like a slightly different approach to it. So it's kind of an interesting thing to see when other teams did the same routines as us, but it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. It's got to be up there like somewhere around 20 or so overall. Yeah. That's,
0: uh, that's a lot to remember, but you have to, you know, be able to perform it right on the spot. I'm always curious, is it just different music that plays and then these dances just happen to go to them? Or are they choreographed to specific numbers?
1: Yes. They choreographed specific numbers. Like, we would have a name for every dance, whether it was, like, the name of the actual song or, like, they'd come up with one. Um, so we would know what it was. And okay. we also would film all of them during um, rehearsal, which this was kind of pretty new... They, you know, they used to just have to memorize all of it. But I think it was like my second year on the Hornets, they started filming every time we learned a dance. They would film it like the last time we did it full out so that we could have all of that on file to know, you know, cause we might learn that dance and not do it for a couple months. So you have to like come back to it. You'll have a rehearsal before that. But before that rehearsal, like sometimes I literally would be like, how's this dance start? Couldn't tell you like, don't even know if it's the right or the left foot. I have no idea. <laughs> so you just start all over, go back and relearn this choreography kind of from video. It's always nice to have a record, I guess, to kind of go back and look at. Can you
0: describe what it's like performing for an entire arena of fans?
1: There's really nothing like it. Like, it's so much fun. Um, there's a different feel to that in stage. You know, you're, you're a little bit more immersed. And it's, like, you have fans all the way up in the 300s. Like, you can't forget about them, too, you know? I mean, they always say, don't forget about the balcony, but that's a whole nother level of balcony. I remember my first couple games, like, it's hard to not get turned around. Like, what's front? And usually, especially if you did two dances in one game, you would decide, you know, the first dance would start facing one way and the second dance would start facing the other. And they would, use, they would all flip to face both sides at some point, but usually, like, if you started facing the front, you were there most of the time. And so that way it gave all the fans a little love. And we had like, you'd be like, okay, we're going to face the flags that are over here for the first one. And then we're going to face like the table of like all the people on like headsets and everything. We're going to face all of them, uh, like the announcer and everything, like their table for the second one. And it's like, what? Every time we'd be going out, they'd be like, are we facing the table or the flags? What do we do? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even realize
0: that you would have to change directions. It is like a circle, so you have to play to every audience and every angle. That's something I didn't even think of. Something I've always personally wondered and never got the chance to do. Is dancing with pom-poms difficult?
1: Like, did you ever drop yours? I never dropped mine. People definitely have. Um, it's not difficult, it's just weird at first. And then it's almost like a weird transition going without them, like when because so much of the time whenever we would go out and they'd be like, okay, just go freestyle, you'd have your pom-poms. And like, so it started to be like, what do I do with my hands? Like if I don't have them, like it's almost like a clutch, (laughs) but no, it's, it's, I mean, but it is also more of a challenge. because you have to keep things so much like crisper and cleaner because it's more obvious if someone's wrong or late or, you know, the angle's off because you have this massive shiny thing in your hand. So it's like, not necessarily more challenging in in the sense of actually holding them, but just like, you have to really be on your mark with them in your hands.
0: Huh. Thank you. Honestly, like, I don't know any of this. So it's such a foreign concept to me. But you're right. It is like this shiny ball that you're wrestling around and you better be in the right position with it or someone's going to look at you and, oh, they're in the wrong spot. They're out of line. So, yeah. I know you said a, a lot about the events that you attended during your time with the NBA. Alongside those events and entertaining at games, what were some of your other duties off the
1: court? Um, so, we always had uh, rehearsals, we practices twice a week. Um, for us, it was always on Tuesday, Thursday nights. And we would also, it was, we were, I mean, very fortunate because I know other teams don't have this, but we would start out with a personal trainer for an hour. Um, So it was like almost like no excuse to not be in shape because you had a personal trainer twice a week uh, and they separate us into smaller groups of like eight girls. So you could get more like, you know, one-on-one focus. And then from there you would also then have your two and a half hour, three hour rehearsal to follow it. So it was was exhausting. (laughs) By the time you got to that last hour, you're like, what? (laughs) What's next? Um, And then also just being in the gym and being in shape on your own was also a requirement. I mean, some people needed to go less than others. If you're fortunate enough that you didn't need to, then cool. Uh, And then also just, um, I feel like especially in New Orleans, presenting yourself in a professional manner around the city. Like, The more years that girls were on the team, the more not, I mean, not even in the sense they are like, fully recognized, but you could be. Like, if you were out in a club, like, we weren't allowed to, like, fraternize with, like, the players. So, like, if you were out in a bar or a club and, like, the players were there, you were advised. Like, you didn't have to leave, but they were, like, you just don't want to be associated with that kind of situation because it's, like, a no-no. So, there were a lot of, like, little rules that you don't even really think about where outside of you know being in the arena even if you're not in uniform that you could still potentially be recognized and that you should you know still be presentable and that was kind of the main thing It was like the practices and making sure you're in shape they also wanted girls to either like have a job or um be in school as well I mean you I don't know if you actually had to have a job, but they wanted you to have something else like on top of it. It was kind of like not a full, full requirement, but kind of expected, I guess.
0: Yeah, they they seem like they expect a lot of you. And, you know, going back to the way you present yourself, you are representing a brand. And I guess that's what you kind of take on as you become this professional in this industry. So interesting. Now, I've heard that cheerleading squads can sometimes develop into sisterhoods. Was that something that you experienced with your teams?
1: It was a little different from year to year, you know, depending on who was on the team and kind of the energy and the vibe that you got. And I think, I'm sure it definitely ranges on um, location of team as well. Like a little bit of New Orleans, it's like you have that Southern hospitality a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I definitely ended up, two of my best friends now, I met on the team, and so that was really cool to like share the court with them, and you're with them all the time. And so to still not be sick of each other and still want to be friends afterwards is <laughs> says a lot. Um, but yeah, it definitely can become a sisterhood sometimes, like good and bad. Like sometimes you fight like sisters, and you're with each other all of the time, and you're just like start to get on each other's nerves sometimes. But like you know you love each other at the end of the day, and it's it's a full team effort all the
0: time. Yeah. I think that goes along with what you were saying about the people we met at Bush Gardens and how we've evolved into this family from this little tiny show in Virginia. And now we're kind of all over the place and we all know each other and it's, yeah, it's people that we can rely on and connect with and I think that's such a beautiful thing of our industry. Well, to wrap this all up, what advice would you give someone who wants to become a professional cheerleader?
1: Stay in class of like kind of any style and every style you can, but especially like jazz and hip hop and things like that. Um, but being in class, not just to be so that you're in dance shape, but also so that your mind is is quick on picking up on things. Um, picking up on choreography is really really important because you learn so many dances. Sometimes the day before you have to perform it. Um, or like I said before, you might have to retain something for a really long time and come back to it later. I mean, work hard. Go to go to the prep classes if they're there, if that's an option. Ask questions. Um, girls on the teams are, I mean, at least from my experience, all the girls on our team, when like myself included, were very willing to give any advice, any information, answer any questions. Um, so don't be afraid to to ask questions if you're in an audition experience um, and. Another thing just in auditions specifically, like be nice because people are watching and the girls that were, you know, super sweet and friendly and got along with people and everything like they, they notice if you're being catty in the corner or if you're being nice. um, And that goes for anything in the industry. You never know when that's going to come back to bite you in the ass.
0: (laughs) No, definitely. I think yeah, being nice in this industry will get you far. Uh, You're always being watched, especially in the audition room. And speaking of auditions as well, one more question about that. I guess, what advice would you have for someone? What do they wear to these auditions?
1: So it kind of, I feel like it definitely depends from city um, to city on like what team you're auditioning for. Um, Because I've I've, kind of looked into... Uh, like Brooklyn Nets or the Knicks and like just those two auditions you would wear kind of two different things so it's kind of like know your market and what you're going to do. look at um, audition photos they always post like an album or two um, I feel like either on like the dance team's website or you can go back and scroll through their Instagram like look at what people wore the year before and kind of get a feel for what that team's vibe is specifically so you can look the part as best as possible. Because if it's going to be, you know, if you're going to the Nets, you're going to wear something a little bit edgier. And, like, if you're going to the Knicks, you might be a little bit more clean cut. Um, I don't know. Some For pelicans and hornets, like, people rhinestone the crap out of things, but they don't really do that up here. Like, it just depends on, you know, on where you are. (laughs) It's almost always, well, I can't say always, but almost always the requirement is, like, some kind of, like, sports bra, two-piece crop situation. Um, But they'll all have their own like specific requirements.
0: Well, that was all incredible advice. I wanted to talk about one more thing before I let you go. Um, I wanted to briefly discuss your time as a dance captain, because I think that's a position that many dancers aspire to, but might not know exactly what that job entails. Um, So you were actually my dance captain for two contracts um, at Bush Gardens so would you mind just sharing a little bit about the responsibilities that came with that role
1: yeah um, so at Bush Gardens specifically I mean it was things as simple as just like leading warm-ups to reblocking and cleaning shows and making sure everything was in check um, it was my first experience with anything like that um, and I hadn't really because it was kind of one of my first real like professional contracts in kind of more of a theater setting versus versus Dancing with the Hornets before that, so what a dance captain did for that was completely different than what, to us, it, it, you know, to an extent, than what I would have to do there. So it was a, I was kind of learning as I was going as to like how I was supposed to be approaching things and what I was supposed to be doing. But yeah, Bush Gardens was was you know we did a lot of shows, <laughs> people got sick, people got injured, um, so reblocking shows is probably the biggest thing. You know, like knowing where people are supposed to be, and making sure that certain props got moved so that things didn't get lit on fire and so on. <laughs> it was, you know, a lot. <laughs> Since then, I haven't had any um, dance captain kind of experience, but I've learned a lot kind of looking at through other dance captains and how they approach all of it. It's more than just being like in charge of those things. It's also just making sure that your cast is comfortable and is in a good place, is sometimes like being a mediator as well.
0: Yes, exactly. I think being a dance captain is more than just being a great dancer. Yes, that is usually part of it, um, but equally, like you said, to be a mediator when conflict arises, if if it arises, to have that sense of leadership and to make on the spot decisions, because like you said, injuries sometimes happen, and you got to reblock like that. You know, so yeah, there is a lot that goes into it that I think many performers may may not necessarily realize. So I just wanted to get your insight on that. (laughs) So I know you said you're kind of exploring what you're doing currently, um, but do you have any kind of big plans for the future or, you know, things that you know you want to accomplish?
1: So right now I'm actually coming out of injury. So I've been a little bit on a hiatus. Um, and I've been you know, slowly getting back into dancing and auditioning and things like that. Um, so I kind of need to come back to what my original goals were last year before I got injured. I had a herniated disc. put me out for like six months. It was very frustrating and annoying. Um, <laughs> but we all face that. And um, so it's it's how you pick yourself back up and where you start. start off from where you were. You pick up somewhere new, whatever it is. Um, one thing that I really would like to do is get an agent so that I can get myself into the rooms of, um, music videos, tours, whatever that may be. Um, which there's a, like a lot less of that in New York, unfortunately, but, um, but definitely like music videos and stuff like that still for sure happens here or just film and TV. Like they need dancers for stuff like that all the time. But a lot of that is having an agent to get you into that room, to even know that that audition even happened. Um, so that's kind of my big kind of thing that I will I'm looking forward to working on and getting back into
0: yeah that's a great goal to have for yourself and I think one that you should just keep striving for because I know you can do it I, I know what you're capable of and I know coming back from an injury is is difficult but if anyone can do it you can well we've covered so much in this episode would you mind just sharing uh some ways listeners can follow what you're going to be doing in the future
1: um so mainly mainly instagram i feel like i'm barely on facebook anymore um so it's just at the monte m-o-n-t-e um and yeah i post my classes if you ever want to come take it flywheel and check that out I can i can guest you in come check it out for the first time um and yeah any you know things i have coming up dance wise and stuff like that is kind of Instagram's probably the main way that i would be kind of posting about that kind of stuff cool well
0: it has been such a pleasure to have you on the Adancers dancer's guide podcast and i just thank you for sharing all of your experience i've learned so much and i hope that everyone listening has learned something as well thank you so much for having me to everyone involved in the Adancers dancer's guide podcast launch from listeners to guests to my amazing support system i cannot thank you enough stay tuned for more episodes coming soon and for now, you can follow us on Instagram at A Dancer's Guide Official, check out our Facebook page, and to subscribe to the A Dancer's Guide community, please visit adancersguide.com. Always remember, stay confident, be humble. Thanks for listening. Until next time.